Boker Tov, good morning everyone. Welcome to the Aliyah Day. I am Rabbi Griffin. I am excited to be with you this morning. So much fun to be here. Hope uh, you're having a great day and glad you are here. Uh, we have, looks like Marciella is a new listener and has some questions. Marciella Shlomo posted a number for our office down uh, a little bit further down there so you can find that and contact us for questions or you can go to our um, uh, online uh, website there and send us questions or you can go to Facebook, our Facebook page for Sarshalom Synagogue and send us a message that that, that way and we do accept carrier pigeons on occasion. Uh, <laughs> we have those fly in here with questions as well. But seriously, welcome. Glad you're here. Welcome, everybody. Glad to see all of my precious ones um, uh, here with me today, Baruch Hashem, and uh, glad that you are in the house and ready to uh, enjoy the sixth and seventh reading of the Aliyah, Baruch Hashem. That's uh, so exciting. Listen, I have I have a big breaking news that's, that's happening right now, uh, and it's just amazing. You're not going to believe it. I'm going to share it with you. However, uh, Colin suggested that I should wait to the end of the Aliyah, wait to the very end, and then give the breaking news. And uh, I don't. I mean, do you think we should wait? I mean, that was Colin's. Um, that was his suggestion. Perhaps <laughs> we should just wait. I should just hold everything until the very end of the Aliyah, and then give the big, amazing. You're not going to believe it. You're going to throw stuff out your window. Um, you know, um, no? Okay, Jason says he wants to hear it. Okay, all right. Well, Colin, all right. So, all right, we're going we're gonna to be the breaking news now. Listen, <clears throat> um, I was uh, here in the office and was just uh, talking to Hashem and getting ready for the Aliyah day, and our reporter in the field, Shlomo, gives me a phone call and gives me this amazing breaking news. So so incredible. It's about the mikveh. First of all, I want to say something that we named, I named, we named the mikveh, mikveh Shiloah, after the largest mikveh in Jerusalem, the mikveh that was used to gather the water for the uh, water pouring ceremony uh, around the altar at Sukkot, the mikveh that Hashem, or excuse me, Yeshua said, I am the living water that you're calling out for, and he was kind of relating himself to that mikvah, and that mikvah was also uh, when it would when it would overflow, um, it would water the king's garden. So the whole idea of the mikvah shloa was that it flowed out. The waters weren't just in the mikvah itself, but they flowed out and they and they watered the garden. So there's a spiritual message there about our waters flowing out. And the name Saginaw, the name of our little community here, actually means to flow out. That's actually the name here. So anyway, all those things together, uh, the mikvah shloah. The reason the mikvah shloah, though, would overflow from time to time is because it was naturally spring-fed. It's a naturally spring-fed mikvah, which is kind of cool, right? So here we are, minding our business. We've The mikvah is being built. It's almost finished. We're really, we're really just putting the, the finishing touches on it, really, just... Uh, a little uh, coat of paint and that kind of stuff, you know, uh, plaster. It's really, everything else is done. The, the mikvah has, has been uh, put in, the, the, all the pumps are there, all the filtration, the heaters, all that kind of stuff is done. 
the bathrooms are pretty much done, the showers are done, the toilets are in, all those kind of things, right? We're just uh, we're just putting the final touches on, literally like putting handles on doors. And uh, Bezrat Hashem will be will be everything will be completely turnkey and open and uh, ready to go by the by the middle of next month. Um, so we've had this issue of the fact that there's water still in the uh, cistern that's being pumped out on a regular basis. Well, here's the big breaking news. <laughs> As it turns out, so a gentleman came over to the mikvah house. This is what Shlomo was telling me. I'm trying. I'm, I'm trying to put this all in my in my, in, in, in proper context to, to make it all understandable. So the yard uh, was all messed up because of all the heavy equipment that was back there digging the the mikvah. Which, by the way, when we they dug the mikvahs initially, um, it's it's pretty much solid bedrock. Uh, so those mikvahs are actually. Really, they're they're really built into solid bedrock, which is by itself really cool because that's how the ancient mikvot were made. They were actually carved in the bedrock and then plastered. Um, so it just so happens that our mikvot are actually built into bedrock, uh, solid stones and so on. It's really amazing. It took a lot of work to dig that out, and they had no idea until they started doing it. So the yard got all messed up. So a gentleman came out. And he leveled the yard off. He leveled it off. And he looked into the mikveh and he noticed the water was there. And he said, oh, well, of course. Um, didn't you know that most, if not all, of Saginaw sits on top of a natural spring? So the water that's in the mikveh right now, because it hasn't yet been sealed, the, the, the cistern had not yet been completely sealed. It, it, we haven't got to that phase yet. That water that's in there is actually flowing in there from the natural spring that's beneath the house. <laughs> and Shlomo is telling me this. And so Shlomo was talking to our pool uh, contractor who's telling him this. And he's saying, okay, wait a minute. So are you trying to say that the water that we get from our mikvah is not just water from, from the rain, because we, we've set it all up, we've designed the whole thing to channel rainwater naturally, without you, you know, a totally kosher, to channel it naturally into the catch basin to flow gravity fed naturally into the cistern so that we have the proper 100% bore al goodbye bore, which bore al goodbye bore means a cistern on top of a cistern, mikvah. And he said, yeah, yeah, but the, there's another source of water, and that water is the natural spring that's essentially beneath the house. And when you dig five feet down in Saginaw, you pretty much hit the spring. Well, we've gone way more than five feet. So now, Shlomo, our reporter in the field, talked to the pool contractor and now the pool contractor is going to modify just a little bit the catch basin to, to install a, a gravity plug in there so that when and if we need to fill and refill the mikvah, we can pull the plug out and therefore natural spring water will flow into the mikvah from the ground and then whatever rainwater we catch from above will we'll fall into the mikvah as well. So now our mikvah is going to have natural water, both from Shemayim, from the water that flows, 
and also from the water that comes up from the spring. Rise up, oh well. Spring up, oh well. Can you believe this? Can you believe this? Our, our mikvah is naturally spring-fed, like, like the mikvah Shaloa. I had no idea. I, we, this was not by no means anywhere near the radar. We were, we were, we've been setting the whole thing up to be uh, filled with rainwater. And that's why we, we thought the water that was in there was somehow just like runoff from previous rains or something like that. We didn't know. We kept wondering why it was full. And Shlomo has said that they have a pump running in there to keep the water pumped out because it's not yet ready for everything. So therefore, it would overflow and obviously cause problems. So, so that spring water is flowing in there like, like a sieve. And, um, <laughs> wow, wow. So, yeah, that's right, Rebazine, only Hashem. So I, I found that out about, uh, however, whatever, 30 minutes before the Aliyah. Couldn't wait to share it with you. That is the big breaking news that, um, is, is going on, uh, with the mikvah. So, they're delivering the handrails today, uh, also, um, in other news, and which means we've been waiting on that so that they can come in and do the jewelscape uh, plastering, which is really the final step of the mikvah itself. Um, so once they do that, and once that cures, the mikvahs are done. And then after that, it's just a matter of uh, putting the, the knobs on the cabinets and the door handles on the doors and brushing the paint up and doing the little things like that. And it's, it's done. Wow. So, uh, I'm not even sure what to do now. Oh, I guess we should read the Aliyah. Wow. Oh, man. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? I told, I told Shlomo he needs to get out of his own house. Uh, that's just crazy. Call me like that with such good news. Baruch Hashem. A natural spring-fed mikvah. Unbelievable. Wow. So the water. So, so let me get this straight. So the water. So when you go to the mikvah Shaloa, you're going to be immersing in waters from above and waters from below. You know, it's really like immersing in the in the first part of creation, because the whole thing about Shemayim is that the waters were separated, so that there would be waters above and waters below. So going to mikvah Shaloa. You know, we all, I've always said that, that Lapid Judaism is all about going back to the first century, going back to the, the, the actual faith of Yeshua, going back to the original. Um, and isn't it amazing that the very first kosher uh, mikvah, I, probably, probably the first one in 2,000 years that's been made for a, a community that believes in the Messiah, um, just happens to be a mikvah that has waters from above and waters from below so that you're actually going back to the original. So when you immerse in mikvah Shaloa, it's like immersing in the waters of Ghana Din. I, that's unbelievable. Wow. All right. So I just, yeah. 
Yeah, and who was it? Yeah, after Pesach. That's right, Rachel. Right after Pesach, this happens. We get the news right after pay- Pesach. And, uh, and uh, yeah, wow. All right, so welcome to the Aliyah Day. Glad you were here. I do have a couple more insights I'd like to share with you. By the way, Wanda, healing to Wanda, uh, may Hashem uh, bless you, Wanda, and give you a refu shlema, and uh, do miracles for you in the merit of Messiah Yeshua. Amen. Woo! Um, and I'll, I, I might as well go ahead and say that I've been talking to the Zakanim, and uh, we're going to be monitoring what the governor has to say today, and we've, we've been paying attention to what our wonderful and awesome president has been saying, and uh, uh, we're praying about opening up the synagogue again on May 2nd, that first Shabbat. Um, we'll, we'll still have some uh, protocols in place as far as, you know, uh, like when and if we open up, for instance, uh, we're going to ask everybody to practice complete Shomer Nagia, male, male to male, female to female, totally, 100%, no hugging, no kissing, no crying on people's shoulders. But but uh, Hashem willing, you know, like I said, we're monitoring it, we're praying about it, we're looking at it. But um, I fully expect that we'll we'll have the synagogue reopened again on May second, um, unless something uh, drastically changes to convince me otherwise. But we're we're in those kind of discussions, so just be praying about that. We want to get everybody back in the house. Just thought I'd just throw it out there since we're on a news break right now. All right, so. Um, if you're if you're brand new to the program, uh, this is a unique day. Uh, the Aliyah day doesn't usually uh, isn't this this much delayed, uh, but it's it's a, it's big news. This 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 mikvah that we are building, I want is the first of its kind in two thousand years for a, a community that believes in Yeshua. The first community, Jewish community that believes in Yeshua. The first time we've had a fully kosher, hundred percent kosher, made to spec, hundred percent. Um. In 2,000 years. There's actually two mikvahs. I keep saying mikvah. There's actually two mikvahs. So we have a men's mikvah and a women's mikvah. And they're they're gorgeous, by the way. Um, I want to live there. But anyway. All right. Uh, 597. Page 597. In the Art School of Humash. Let's go ahead and read, if we can, and uh, get to uh, a few insights. This is the, uh, parish, the, the uh, portion on... Kashras. All right, chapter 11 and verse 1. We're in the Aliyah day. We're in uh, the, the book of uh, Vayikra, the book of Leviticus. Chapter 11 and beginning in verse 1. Adonai spoke to Moshe and Aaron, saying to them, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, These are the creatures that you may eat from among the animals that are upon the earth. Everything among the animals that has a split hoof, which is completely separated into double hooves, and that brings up its cud, that one you may eat, but this is what you shall not eat from among those that bring up their cud or that have split hooves. The camel, for it brings up its cud, but its hoof is not split. It is unclean to you. And the hyrax, for it brings up its cud, but its hoof is not split. It is unclean to you. And the hare, for it brings up its cud, but its hoof is not split. It is unclean to you. And the pig, for its hoof is split, and its hoof is completely separated, but it is not to its cud. It is unclean to you. You shall not eat of their flesh, nor shall you touch their carcass. Now they are unclean to you. In other in other places, by the way, uh, it talks about the 
non-kosher food, like in Deuteronomy 14, for instance, I know for sure it uses this word. It uses the word abomination, that these, these foods uh, are to be abominable to you. What's interesting about that is that um, the same word that's used for homosexuality is the same word that's used for non-kosher food. That's the same that word abomination, which that word abomination has at its root <clears throat> a meaning of idolatry. So, so really, what it boils down to, no pun intended, is this, that when we eat non-kosher food, or when we, or when people, I should say, when, when people eat non-kosher food, or when people engage in homosexuality, homosexuality, that is ultimately an engagement in idolatry. Uh, that's the level. And, and a lot of people don't equate that. They don't equate, equate eating pork chops or shrimp cocktail with homosexuality. But I like to point this out because most people who believe in Hashem, most people who believe in the God of Israel, who follow the Messiah, they, they would think that homosexuality is just a great moral sin. It's just horrible it's just, oh my gosh, it's like the worst of the worst, which, and, and they're right. But they wouldn't think twice about having a ham sandwich. But the reality is, because the same word is used, to have a ham sandwich is to engage in homosexuality. I mean, that's just the fact of the matter. Uh, it strike That might strike people as... Um, uh, strange or harsh, but it's the reality. So it says here, this may, this may, you may eat from everything that is in the water, everything that has fins and scales in the water. So w whether or not a fish is kosher is very simple. If the fish has both, say it with me, both, fins and scales, then it's kosher, period. It has to have fins and scales. Now, to be perfectly clear, a shark has fins, but it does not have scales. So does a dolphin. A dolphin has fins, but does not have scales. And uh, a crustacean, like a shrimp or what have you, has neither fins nor scales. So therefore, they're not kosher. By the way, just as an aside, um, I don't mean that. I don't mean to say this to 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 make anything egregious. I just think it's interesting. Did you know that uh, lobsters? which would include the same family, I, I would assume, as uh, crawfish, which I've mentioned before, used to be my, my birthday food of choice, um, come from the roach family. And did you know, this is true, did you know that the uh, uh, crab, the varieties of crab, actually come, and I don't know the, the scientific name, some of you people that are smarter than me would know this, but they come from the spider family. So a crab is actually a sea spider. So, um, so there's that. All right, so verse 10. And everything that does not have fins and scales in the seas and in the streams, from all that teems in the water and from all living creatures in the water, they are an abomination to you. There is that word I was looking for, abomination. There it is. Now, thank you, Lynn. Uh, whatever she said, that word. All right, it says here, um, and they shall remain an abomination to you, and you shall not eat of their flesh, you shall, you shall abominate their carcass. 
Everything that does not have fins and scales in the water is an abomination to you. So it's supposed to be an abomination to you, right? As it says here, the word for, for this is shekets. Shekets, that's the word I'm looking for, for abomination. And the word shekets has the, com- the, the idea of, uh, of, of idolatry. So verse 13 says, These shall you abominate from among the birds. They shall not be eaten. They are an abomination. The Nesher, the Perez, the Osnia, the Da'a, the Aya, according to its kind. Every Orav, according to its kind. The Bas, Hayana, the Takmos, the Shekaf, the Nets, according to its kind. The Kos, the Shalak, and the Yanshuf. The Tin Shemes, the Kayas, the Rakam, the, the Hasida, the Anaf, according to its kind, Dukifas, and the Atala. Now, those are a bunch of names. We don't know what they are, or at least when we read them like this, we don't. It's given, uh, some of those are, are translated differently in other versions. But let me just say it's real easy on the birds. So here's the birds that you can have, right? Um, and and uh, let me start out with duck. For some reason, um, I read a lot online where people think that duck is not kosher. Um, that's just quacky. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> just, I'm sorry. I couldn't help myself. Uh, duck is 100% kosher. Believe that. It is kosher. Um, you can have, now obviously you have to have all these birds have to be kosher slaughtered and you have to be certified kosher. So you can't just run out to Walmart and buy a duck. Um, but what I'm trying to say is, is that duck is kosher. Turkey is kosher. Um, Chicken, obviously, is kosher. Quail, yes, is kosher. Uh, pigeon is kosher. Uh, pheasant would be kosher. Um, I feel like I'm missing something. Uh, geese or goose um, or guisson. Uh, those kind of things. Anyway, dove. Yes, Hadassah. That's true, sweetheart. So dove is kosher as well. So these are all the birds that we would uh, normally eat. So um, and for those of you who are wondering... Um, um, buzzard is not kosher, hawk is not kosher, an eagle would not be kosher, uh, flamingo would not be kosher, uh, those kinds of things. But, you know, typically they don't have flamingo in the uh, poultry aisle, um, so you don't have to worry about that. So just know that th- those are the um, things that are kosher. Only this may you eat from among all the flying, teeming creatures that walk on four legs, one that has jumping legs above its legs, with which to spring on the earth. So... If you are really enjoy a little bit of locust, like locust stew, or perhaps um, some fried locust or barbecued locust, you can have that. That's totally kosher. But that's the only uh, thing like that that is uh, is kosher is locust. Um, otherwise, um, you're not. Uh, I haven't had kosher locust in well ever. Uh, <laughs> but I suppose it's people out there somewhere that John the Baptist loved them. Uh, he liked them. Uh, he liked his honey locust. Uh, you know, I have a I have a, a bowl of um, uh, you know uh, honey bunches of oats, and he had honey bunches of locusts. So, but that's fine. It's kosher. He can have it if he wants to. But not how, allowed to have anything else. So anything that's uh, insect wise, and no chocolate ants, no uh, no um, uh, snakes, or anything like that. Can't have any of that. Um, and you're welcome. No rats. To include the flying ones, known as bats. Do not eat a bat. Um, got that? Everybody got that? Don't snack on me. All right. Verse 22. You may eat these from among them. 
the Arbe according to its kind, the Salomon according to its kind, the Chargo according to its kind, and the Hagav according to its kind. Every flying teeming thing that has four legs is an abomination to you. Uh, by the way, all um, all fruits and vegetables in their natural form are kosher. Uh, grains are kosher. Now, some people may uh, be gluten intolerant, and I, that's totally I, that's a I get it. All right, but I have read online before where people who are gluten intolerant try to make gluten to be or or, or grain rather to be the great evil evil. Um, it is not. It is totally kosher, 100% kosher. If you can't tolerate, you can't tolerate it. Some people can't tolerate peppers. Some people can't tolerate bananas. Some people have a hard time with um, um, uh, acidic tomatoes. But all those things are kosher. Just because you can't tolerate something doesn't make it not kosher. I just want to say that because we live in this day and age where if you have a, a, a food allergy, then everybody else has to stop eating it. And I know that many of you don't feel that way, but there are people out there who do feel that way, and you shouldn't. All right, so uh, it says, you become contaminated through the following. Anyone who touches their carcass becomes contaminated until evening. Now that applies, by the way, only if there is a, a uh, temple. So people have asked me, well, can I touch the carcass of a of a non-kosher animal. I'm not suggesting you should go play with it and, you know, play catch in the backyard with it. But but uh, in terms of being contaminated, that only applies if there's an actual temple. Since there isn't, we're all contaminated anyway. Every one of us, not, none of us could approach the temple today. If, suppose that the temple was was built and made manifest tomorrow. May, may that be so. Because that would be the, mean the Mashiach was here. Uh, we still couldn't... We couldn't ascend to it. We all have to have the ashes of the red heifer and that kind of thing. Um, so I just want to point that out because we talk about contamination, things like that. Uh, for instance, like a woman who's in Nada, she would sit in a chair. And so men will ask me, my wife sat in a chair. She's in Nada. Can I sit in the chair? I say, sit in the chair. Why? Because um, that has to do with contamination with respect to go to the temple. Since you're not going to the temple, you can't because there isn't one. So sit in the chair. So it says, verse 25, And anyone who carries their carcass shall immerse his clothing and be contaminated until evening. Every animal that has split hooves that are not completely split or does not chew its cud, they are contaminated. You, whoever touches them, becomes contaminated. And everyone that walks on his paws, among all the animals that walks on the four legs, they are contaminated to you. So no, can't eat anything with paws. That's pretty simple. My, my, my dog said thank you. Uh, you can't eat anything that has paws. So if you see something that has paws and you're thinking about eating it, it should give you pause. Whoever touches their carcass shall be contaminated until evening. One who carries their carcass shall immerse his clothing and be contaminated until evening, and they are contaminated to you. Verse 29. These are the contaminated ones among the teeming animals that teem upon the earth. The koled, the akbar. The akbar is a mouse, by the way. So whenever you hear somebody scream out, uh, cream out us, <laughs> Whenever you hear the terrorists say a smala akbar, what it means is it, it literally translated in Hebrew, small is a mouse. That rat. It says, and the zav, according to its variety, the anak, the koak, the leta, and the komet, and the tishis, only these are contaminated to you among all the teeming animals. Anyone who touches them when they are dead shall be contaminated until evening. And when they are dead, anything upon which part of them will fall shall become contaminated. 
whether it's a wooden utensil, a garment, leather, a sackcloth, any utensils with which work is done, shall be brought into the water and remain contaminated until evening and then become cleansed. Any earth-wearing utensil into whose interior one of them will fall, everything in it shall become contaminated and you shall break it. By the way, we're into the seventh aliyah now. It says, of any food that is edible upon which water comes shall become contaminated and any beverage that you can be, can be drunk in any vessel shall become contaminated. Anything upon which part of the carcass shall, may fall shall be contaminated. Any oven or stove shall be smashed. They're contaminated and they shall remain contaminated to you. Only a spring or a cistern, a gathering of water shall remain pure. But one who touches their carcass shall remain contaminated. And if its carcass will fall upon any edible seed that has been planted, it remains pure. But if water had been placed upon a seed and then their carcass falls upon it, it is contaminated to you. If an animal that you may eat has died, one who touches his carcass shall become contaminated until evening. And one who eats from his carcass shall immerse his clothing and remain contaminated until evening. And one who carries his carcass shall immerse clothing and remain contaminated until evening. Every teeming creature that teems upon the ground is, is, is an abomination. It should not be eaten. Everything that creeps upon its belly and everything that walks on four legs upright with numerous legs upon among all the teeming things that teem upon the earth, you shall not eat them, for they are an abomination." Do not make your souls abominable by means of any teeming thing. So yes, eating non-kosher food, according to the Bible, does in fact impart a spiritual contamination to your soul. Yes, it does. Do not contaminate yourself through them, lest you become contaminated through them. When Yeshua in Mark chapter 7 said that Eating impure food doesn't make you impure. He was talking about eating kosher food, namely bread, without with unwashed hands. He was not talking about eating non-kosher food. If you eat non-kosher food, you absolutely impart impurity into your soul. How do we know that? Because the B-I-B-L-E, the Bible, says so. What Yeshua was talking about when he says what goes into you doesn't make you unclean. He's talking about bread, say it with me, bread, or for our Sephardis out there, pan. He's talking about pan eaten with manos that are not clean. Eating bread with unwashed hands. That's what he's talking about. But if you eat crab cakes, you absolutely impart impurity into your soul. How do we know that? Because it says in the Bible. And God's word is forever. All right, this is it. We're wrapping it up right here. I had a lot more insights, but the, the, the breaking news of the day uh, cut us short. But don't worry about it. We'll, I'll, I'll cover some of these insights later. They're very good, but we'll cover them later. So here it is. For I am Adonai your God. Why do we eat kosher? This is the reason. For I am Adonai your God. You shall sanctify yourselves and you shall be holy. For I am holy and you will not contaminate your souls through any teeming thing that creeps on the earth. For I am Adonai who elevates you from the land of Egypt to be a God unto you. You shall be holy for I am holy. This is the law of the animal, the bird, every living creature that swarms in the water and for every creature that teems on the ground to distinguish between the contaminated and the pure, between the creature that he may be eaten and the creature that may not be eaten. Amen. Todah for joining me today. Thank you, Hashem, for this incredible news about the mikvah. Just ridiculous news. May it be Hashem's will that we're able to open up the synagogue on that first Shabbat in May. And uh, remember to have a wonderful Arab Shabbat tonight. Remember to count the Omer tonight. Remember to live in peace and joy today. Remember to be uh, loving people today. 
Remember to trust God and remember that ain't old Milvado. There is nothing but a shim. And may we rest in him and may we trust him and may we look forward to our future together in him. Baruch Hashem. Todar We'll see everybody um, in shul tomorrow. Bye-bye.